Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're back for hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. We're closing in on 2020. And speaking of which, where may the most mercurial quarterback in reality and fantasy end up? Joe Pizapi and Craig Mish touching on that right now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Happy end of 2019 into 2020. Just a quick reminder from a programming standpoint, those of you who are loyal listeners, and believe me, there are a lot of you. I hear from you. There will be no show tomorrow. No show on the 1st of January. We'll be back on the 2nd, previewing all the NFL games for the weekend. Uh, the, The big, bold day basically is today. I don't want to say that uh, tomorrow ends the bowl season, but it kind of does. We have the big bowl games, some more big ones today and tomorrow. Uh, I definitely will be locked in and interested in these ones today, so we'll get into that a little bit later. Before we do that, Joe, uh, Jameis Winston is uh, headed toward what looks like a possible breakup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the breakup could be a makeup very quickly because Bruce Arians said, yesterday in his goodbye press conference for the season that the Buccaneers could win with him and the Buccaneers can win without him and didn't really tip his hand at all and said that they'll make a decision the next week or the week after and then won't tell the public. Okay, great. So we're maybe not going to know, but knowing what usually happens is we will know, right? We'll know in a month where he's going to go or what the story is going to be, because clearly as they head into the draft, they're going to have to make that decision. So I thought it'd be interesting to compile a list of potential teams that we think that Winston could end up with in 2020. And so uh, I'll give you mine, and then I'd love to hear yours. Uh, And from five to one, I'm going with the least likely to the most likely. I'm going with uh, the Bears at number five to be brought in and compete with Mitchell Trubisky with a chance to clearly win that job. At four, I'll go with the Jaguars. Uh, although Minshew did have a really good season overall when he played, I think they're probably going to bring in either a veteran or a rookie to compete with him and at least give him some competition. <clears throat> Number did three, you hear Minshew, by the way, before you before you go into the I next did. one real quick? Mm-hmm. Did you hear the little pop-off he had that I was the best rookie quarterback And you know year? what? The stats back that up. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I thought that was very interesting. Maybe our bet's alive after all. The Minshew campaign. I thought about it. I don't think so, but I think he's going to finish second in the Rookie of the Year. He's going <laughs> to so finish second. Close. Yeah. So damn you, second. Nick Foles. Okay. Yeah, was, that was really it. Those two games. That was mm-hmm. it. If Foles doesn't play, Minshew's Rookie of the Year because all he would have to do is have one good game. One win. Uh, anyway, Buccaneers would be a possibility to return. Of course, they have to be in the mix as a starter with competition. I've got the Chargers at number two because I I think there's still enough talent there that they're not going to tear down, and that puts him in a good spot with some of those receivers there. And then the Panthers is like the clear cut. We know that something is going to happen with that team at quarterback, so it's just an easy throw them in there, and and maybe that's a possibility. So uh, anyway, those are the five teams I got for Winston 2020. What do you got? Uh, I think those are all pretty good ones, by the way, and especially that that Chargers one um, and the Panthers, should they decide to turn things over there. Uh, I'm looking at number five outside shopping the Colts. I think the Colts are going to be in the market for another quarterback. Uh, you know, if Bruce Arians can't get Winston right, I don't know if Frank Reich can, but Frank Reich is a different kind of coach, a different kind of uh, and a quarterback himself uh, of, of pretty good magnitude. Not that Arians was not, but Reich played in the league for quite some time. 
So I wonder if there's something there that they could get out of him. And it's, it's, I think if, in terms of calming influence, he would be a very intriguing one. Uh, the next one I have is the Chargers as well, for a lot of the reasons uh, you put out there too. I think the Chargers are a team that's turning the page, looking forward, looking at the future that no longer has Philip Rivers in it. And it's been a great run for Philip Rivers. I think everybody would agree with that. It could have been better. They ran up against a lot of good AFC teams and some playoff runs. But there's an opportunity where you look at it and you say, oh, there's Keenan Allen there. There's um, Mike Williams there. I think he could make Mike Williams an absolute stud, James Woodson. I think he could, you know, of course, how do you fix him? I don't know. Uh, the third is still the Bucks. I have the Bucks number three because I still think it's a coin flip if they bring him back. And I personally think it, they should move on because if this is the best you're going to get out of Winston, I'm hard-pressed to see a better season out of Winston, believe it or not, even with the 30 picks. Then what are you doing? If you're still a 7-9 team with him and that's his best version, then I think you should turn the page. Number two is the Dolphins. And, I, and I'll throw this out there. If they do take Tua... And it takes them a little while to get to a healthy and, and they want to bring them along slowly and all this stuff. You could actually have a situation there where maybe you move on from Fitzpatrick and you have Winston there for a year or two and you let Tua even hold the clipboard or, or whatever you do. And you have Winston build up some more capital on maybe the trade market. I think there's some possibility there for him uh, because Fitzpatrick, who knows how long he wants to play even. And number one for me is one that I think no one's talked about is the Denver Broncos. There might be some changes going on there. There might be some ownership changes, some rumors going on. And if that happens, I don't know if they want to continue to spin their wheels with this cavalcade of young quarterbacks that continues to just, I don't know, peter out. Locke had some moments this year, but I don't know if we're all sold on him necessarily. Do you think the Broncos could be a spot for Jameis Winston? Not with the way that they're currently running their offense. It wouldn't make sense. And I do think that they invested a high pick in Locke so um, not for me, but again, we're, we're playing the prediction game. So, you know, it's fine. I don't, I don't think one or two is an option at all. Yeah, the Dolphins earlier today shocked the world by hiring Chan Gailey as their offensive coordinator. My guess is that the reason why is because they're drafting Tua, and that's like a, the spread offense type of. Uh, well, it certainly ran, makes sense. Yeah. What he ran with Alabama. So I, I'm, I'm going to guess. Um, on your list, the three, four, and five are the ones that I would say a possibility. The Colts I originally thought of, but then I wondered. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it would be more for the Colts in the terms of a draft pick. And the other part of this is that there are some people that feel that Andrew Luck is going to come back. You know, like there's some people that feel that <laughs> Luck is going to come back, like either next year or the year mm -hmm. after that. That he just needed a mental break for a year. Now, look, I'm not. I don't have any inside information. You know what, that. though? But that's crappy because he could have stood there and he could have said, you know what? I'm not healthy enough to play this year. And they could have just chalked it up to the ankle injury. And then he could have been they could have been hope. I don't know, man. Or is that worse because he ate up the cap room and he's just really taking one for the team by retiring? I guess that's better. I think he gave them more flexibility. Yeah. And, and they had to sign Brissett just as a token, just to say, hey, we're giving this guy this money because we endorse him. Like, I don't know that they really felt that way to sign Brissett about that, but they had to put a statement out there uh, to show, hey, look, um, let's just throw money at this guy, and that will make everyone think, basically, yeah, we really like him a lot. I think that's what they did with it, with Lux money. Yeah, I can understand that. I'll tell you what, if he did end up with the Bears, I think your boy Anthony Miller becomes very intriguing right away. That becomes an asset that I think flies. I can't. I cannot see the Bears coming back with just Trubisky. So we're going to have to figure out someone. <laughs> I don't know who it is. I don't think it'll be a draft pick because I don't think that they would do that. Two out of three years going after a first round pick. I think it's going to be a vet. So that's why I threw him in there. And uh, look, I do think Minshew should get another opportunity. But they have to have another option just in case they have to. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know who that is, or maybe maybe that's where they draft someone. Maybe that's the team that that somebody gets drafted to. Um, but you can't go into the look. Minshew, as good as he was, that game that he had in London, you can't have five of those games during an NFL season. And and again, I think Winston could end up there too. So those are some possibilities for that in 2020. We'll keep an eye on some of the other quarterbacks who are out there and potentially could be moved along because as we shift toward the baseball season, 
Joe and I will continue to monitor football season, perhaps do it in some of our opening segments and continue to discuss it. Also, don't forget, you can like and subscribe to the show online. I want to remind people, those of you who have podcast apps, whether it is on iPhone or Android, make sure that you subscribe to the show so it gets sent to you every single day. It is FST. You could just type that in or FNTSY. And Joe and I will be delivering the content to you each and every day, letting you know what you should be on top of as the football season comes to a close and the baseball season continues. Speaking of continuing, Joe and I will take a quick time out when we come back. Baseball free agency has basically seen 80% of the top free agents off the board before January 1st. This is what we all wanted. But there still are a handful of guys who can make an impact in fantasy. Anybody in the first or second round of fantasy? Probably not. But some players who you could end up taking on your team this year could be affected based on the outcome. We will go through that list next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, along with our producer, Sean Guastamacchia. Hope you're having a great end to the new year. And we will cap it off with some baseball talk right after this. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing a book because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We're closing in on the midnight hour here on uh, on the 31st as we close out the year. And we're going to talk some baseball here in the segment, some free agency. Joe, any big plans for... Uh, the new year tonight no i'm not a big new year's guy i'm a huge christmas guy so by the time it gets to new year's i mean i've already held i've already hosted two christmas events at my house for anywhere between 12 and uh, 16 people at any given time so I'm, I'm done i'm done with entertaining i'm done doing all that stuff and uh and new year's is kind of amateur hour but something did happen uh over the break here and uh i was remiss because i didn't talk about it with you <clears throat> over the holiday but okay uh i tried something that we've been talking about we said we we're gonna do it together and it just kind of happened so I feel dirty. I feel like I've um, I've almost been uh, I don't know, cheating on you in a way, but I tried not one but two of the different Popeyes chicken sandwiches. Oh, okay. How did they? And, go? How, did, how did it go? I'm okay with it. I, I there's a new one. A new Popeyes opened up about a block from me. I actually drove by yesterday, considering going, and it was the line was just so long. I'm like, forget it. But go ahead, tell me. Well, the the line wasn't bad at all. It was I went through right through the drive through. It was Christmas. It was tired. I was wrapping. I was doing other things. Like you know what? I'm going to get one of those damn chicken sandwiches. Drove right in and out. And I will say this. I tried the spicy chicken sandwich and the regular. Um, I got the corn on the cob on the side just to give you the full picture of what's going on. And the uh, I actually like the spicy one better. They were both very good. It is not like worth killing someone over. But I will say this. It is a damn fine chicken sandwich. Uh, in fact, as I'm talking about it, I kind of want another one right now. But okay. um, So maybe they put something in it. But I'll tell you, it's almost like they took a big giant piece of fried chicken and kind mm-hmm. of you know, butterflied it and slapped it down there. And that's what it tastes like. It's like you're eating a giant piece of fried chicken without the bones. And that's that's pretty good. I would recommend giving into temptation. And okay. I would also recommend getting one of each to do the comparison. Well, I will not do the spicy one, but I will. Uh, it's not super uh, spicy. It's not like, oh, my yeah, God, my, not it's not like that it. at all. Really? But I, I will eventually do it. I have like this phobia of fast foods like I don't. That's fair. <laughs> I just don't do it. Like I never. I'm not a big fast food guy either, but yeah, uh, on occasion I will do it and I have yeah. a hankering and I, I did it. I did it. And I said, yeah, I can't end this year without having one of these damn chicken sandwiches. And no one was murdered while I ate it or before right, I good. got it or anything. So that's positive. all right. So I'm, I'm encouraged. And at some point this year, it's I definitely doing. will do it. Yeah. But not waiting on a, on a drive through line for more than five or 10 minutes for that. That's that no. it was. And it was the drive through line was like going out to the street. I'm like, There's no chance I'm doing it. So. All right. Uh, OK, so in terms of free agents. In baseball, we have uh, we're we're down here on a on a list here, Joe. That is, it's really intriguing because once uh, Corey Dickerson went off the board, 
it's not that he was the best free agent at all, but like we're, we're starting to really thin out this free agent list. And for me, in terms of fantasy, now fantasy and reality are going to be two different things. We know that. But the fantasy guys that are left, really for me at the top, that can make a major impact uh, are Donaldson, Ozuna, and Castellanos. I'll probably stop there. I think those are the three guys that could have what I would call a surprisingly monster season, a 30 home run, 90 run, maybe 100 run driven in if we're still paying attention to that type season. Beyond that, there, there's going to be some that we don't predict that, of course, is going to be really good. But beyond that, you're looking at can Will Harris land in a spot that gets him the ninth inning? Um, uh, you know, is there a spot somewhere where Kevin Pillar can hit 10 home runs and steal 15 bases? Will Daniel Hudson end up as a closer somewhere like that? Well, Those are all order. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think you've seen exactly what Puig is the last five years and you're getting 20 home runs. You're getting 80 runs driven in and 270. Pretty good. And, and good, but not what the other guys can give. We've seen huge seasons from Ozuna. We saw Castellanos in the second half be huge. We've never we saw that from Puig his first year, but we haven't seen it since. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it, it's interesting because Castellanos, I think, is a pretty easy one. I think he's gonna get paid and he's gonna end up in a good spot. I think the Cubs maybe are somewhere else. I think he'll be fine. Uh Donaldson, we know, is gonna be fine. He's just taking his time. He can go to Texas or he could go to Washington. Um, or go somewhere else. He's going to get paid, Joe, and and if he's healthy, I think he's the best guy on this list because he plays third base. Clearly, 30 home runs, 100 runs driven in. Um, I'm worried about Ozuna a little bit. I am worried about Ozuna. He has that draft pick attached to him, which is scaring off a lot of teams. I wonder I wonder if, if he's better off, and I know it's crazy, but if he's better off, and he doesn't want to do it, going back to St. Louis and just taking that money that they offered him on a one-year deal and then going back out to free agency. But I know that he doesn't want to do that, man. Like he wants to get paid. Well, there's worse places to, I understand what wanting to get paid, but there's worse paces to, to play for what, what's the number 17 million or whatever it's going to be for the year. I mean, he can't, he can't accept, uh, he can't, he's turned down the offer already, but the Cardinals would clearly take him back for that. If he wanted to, you know, like they they would, they would take him back because they don't have to give up a draft pick because they would own the player, you know? So who would the draft pick go to? It'd go to nobody, go to them. Yeah, so, I mean, Ozuna is one of the Ozuna is a tough one for me only because, you know, you look at the batting average being all over the place, and the contact rates being a little over the place. So the guy definitely has some power. He's flashed that. We know a couple of years ago he had those 37 bombs. He had that huge year there in 2017. But outside of that, it's funny because you kind of poo pooed Puig. And I look at Puig and Ozuna as almost kind of neck and neck. They're both kind of 20 ish home run guys, 80 ish RBI guys. And I, I, I don't. I don't see one being markedly better than the other. So if I was out there in the outfield market looking for one of these guys, I would want the guy who signs for less because I don't think there's much of a difference between the two of them. Um, I don't know what kind of dudes they are personally, but statistically speaking, outside of that one anomaly season of Marcelo Zuna, you're looking at an average of a 2690, you know, 2685 kind of guy. But really, you know, it's hard to take an average because that one giant 37-124 season is kind of an outlier for Ozuna, don't you think? That's when Stanton hit 60. So, you know, that was that's part of the, the game. And look, yeah. with with Puig, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge here that the Marlins were very interested in Puig and couldn't get him to sit down and, and talk about yeah. signing. Yeah. So the same age, too, which is kind of ironic. I mean, they're same age, very similar statistical profile. Maybe you could say Puig doesn't have the upside, but I'll tell you what, if you look year to year, season to season, Puig every year is in that. I mean, 263, 263, 264, 267. Whereas you get an Ozuna, it's 288, it's 230, it's it's 300, it's 250, it's all over to Mark. So, uh, you know, being both the same age, similar statistical profiles, Ozuna's a bit of a streaky player. Not that Puig is not, but I think if you put p- both of these guys in the right situation, and and St. Louis is a great situation, I think both those guys would fr- thrive for sure. Uh, Castellanos yeah. is an interesting one because Castellanos, you're right, did have a fantastic uh, second half there with the Cubs once he got down. I think everybody just wanted to see him in a lineup that had some kind of lineup protection. And when he got it, he was very good. Do you think there's any chance of the Cubs being able to move yeah. Bryant to bring him back? I think there's a good shot. I don't know if it's Bryant that gets moved, but I, I think Castellanos eventually ends up with the Cubs. It makes it makes sense. The Cubs are crying poor. Come on. It's nonsense. They got money. They have no problem doing that. Uh, Puig, really, I don't know what his deal is. Like Puig could have signed with a lot of teams by now, but he's but I, I don't know. It's, it's like another Puig story that's going to be legendary where He's going to probably be the last one to sign. You know, something strange mm-hmm. is going on with him. I'm not really sure. But Ballpark. Look, Miami no, gave him every opportunity to come home, play in front of his home, right. and didn't take it, basically. And didn't even I, come close. And some guys don't want to be do that. Some guys don't like the pressure of it. Some guys don't like the temptation of it, too. I, and I get that. You yeah, know, but that had nothing to do neg- with any of it. Yeah, but there's a lot of negative elements, and let's not pretend like there aren't to the Miami scene. 
that might not be the best situation for him. Or maybe his manager is like, look, this is not going to be a good scene for you. You've had some issues in the past with some fast cars and some fast lifestyle. I don't know if you being in Miami is the best thing for you, you know, staying out of jail maybe <laughs> or whatever. But um, Castellanos is fascinating because that's another guy, too, where ballpark factor made a huge difference, too. Once you got him out of Detroit and you look how he hit in Wrigley Field, uh, you see those doubles, too. He had 58 doubles last year. That's a that's an enormous number. Yeah, he, he did what J.D. Martinez did when he went to Arizona and when he got traded from D.D. Well, the same, same exact not thing. quite the home runs. Nah, the home runs are... He had 16 home runs. J.D. Martinez had like 20-something home runs for those Diamondbacks. Castellanos was a monster. He, he was terrific. He had 1,000 OPS for the Cubs. I'm, I'm not sure I take it away. Um, it was close. It, it was very good. It was very, it was very good. How about but, the rest of this list here? Um, uh, Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, Pilar... Domingo Santana, just non-tendered, crazy. Uh, C-Sheck, I know uh, just from what's going on here, is he wants to get paid a little bit. He's had a, he had really couple really good years here, so my guess is he could pitch the eighth for any team and do well. He had uh, a bad it, opportunity. You know, he had that chance to close and he failed, and I think he's been he's kind of that ever since. Well, he's, he's been, yeah, I think that's the problem. It's like he had that opportunity and everyone, and he blew it, and I think it's just kind of stuck with him. No matter how good he pitches, everybody just kind of looks at him and like, eh, well, but he can't do this. Uh, Kinsler, Brian Dozier. Dozier could be at the end. I'm not sure what Dozier is going to do. Um, Alex Wood, who was so good two years ago and so bad last year. And then is Drupal Cabrera in an NL league or an AL league is going to get taken by someone as Drupal Cabrera naturally will get traded at the deadline to somebody else. Uh, yeah. Any? Uh, did I miss any names or are there any other uh, intriguing names here? No, quick? you know what? You have no idea how grateful I was as this book was putting on Saturday. I spent the rest of Saturday, about six hours or so, putting this book together and, and reviewing everything and you have no idea how great it was to look and see players that had actual homes. You know, it was very difficult. I hate putting that FA next to a player's name. It doesn't change necessarily a whole lot. Sometimes a guy goes to Colorado, it changes a lot. A guy goes to a really good ballpark, it changes significantly or a much better lineup. You can give them a little bit of a bump, but most of the time guys are who they are. But it's just nice to have more clarity. I mean, this year is the most clarity we've had in, I don't know, four years probably in terms of definitely putting this book out and getting ready and not having to do a gazillion updates on things. Dozier is Dozier's a curious case, man, because he's 33 years old. And this was a player who had a couple monstrous second halves for the Twins after some really slow starts. And then he goes to the Dodgers and you think, OK, this is a great spot here for that big second half. Injuries, everything killed him. He ends up with na the Nationals, and you go, okay, well, maybe, just maybe, Brian Dozier can give us a little bounce back season one year deal. You know, I don't know a lot of people in fantasy circles were saying, hey, some cheap power at second base. Maybe. And, you know, he hit the 20 dingers, but other than that, man, it was not great. Yeah, just uh, another bad year for Brian Dozier there. We're going to hit a break. Well, Craig and I come back. More fantasy sports today, plus a look back at the decade that was. You're listening to us right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We're closing out the year in style in 2019. Craig and Joe here with you as we look at the best players in baseball of the decade, Joe. And what a decade it was. Uh, surprisingly, we saw the San Francisco Giants win a couple World Series. We saw the Kansas City Royals in two World Series. I mean, these are things that you'd be telling your kids about now. They'd be like, no way, no way that ever happened. Kansas City Royals in the World Series. Yeah, they went to two of them. Uh, but, Joe, in terms of the players, I mean, it kind of all starts and ends with Mike Trout, who's going to end up being one of the best players in the history of the game. Is there any debate as to who the best player in baseball was of the last 10 years? Uh, I don't think so. Seven Silver Slugger Awards, eight All-Star Games. He's got a 13 war <laughs> over that period. That's uh, that's pretty good. I mean, Mike Trout could probably retire today, and I think he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody would think differently. There's part of me that's my frustration with Trout is being an East Coast guy. You don't get to watch a lot of him, and that sucks because um, I still believe baseball is most is is more popular on the East Coast than the West Coast. I'm sorry, I'm just maybe maybe I'm just biased, but. It feels like baseball is always that East Coast thing. 
And not getting to see Mike Trout in a lot of those late games sometimes is, is kind of a bummer. But it's hard not to think of him as the the player when you look back at this decade that he was the best player over this decade. I know we're you know slightly looking back on and going, well, you know, we're we forgetting some of the guys at the beginning of the decade that were very good. But no, I think it's Trout, and I, I don't think it's I don't think it's really close to you. No, of course, um, no doubt the best for sure. And look, I mean, uh, Miguel Cabrera. Albert Pujols did have a triple crown, Miguel Cabrera, in that period. Yeah, I mean, those two guys were great, but they faded significantly over the last couple of years, and they could have definitely been up there without a doubt. Um, and the they best had a good chunk of, the- of their brilliance earlier on, before in the late O's, before we got to the yes. teens, or mm-hmm. you know. And- so, who, who would you say was the best pitcher of the decade? Was it Kershaw or Scherzer, or Kershaw, Scherzer, or um, Verlander? This is a tricky one. As I think you could have made the argument for Kershaw had he not had some of the injuries he's had. But then when you add in all the bad postseason performances, it's hard not to consider it to be Verlander. Uh, I'm going to vote Verlander in this, but I think it's closer than some other people might. I think this finish he had, this second life with the Astros was very good. Um, You know, more Cy Youngs and more piling on there. But I think it's Verlander. Do you think it's Scherzer or Kershaw when you look back at the overall picture, postseason, regular season, stats, awards, everything combined? Uh, you know, it's funny. Is that, it's close, man, because Scherzer might be the best I, statistical guy. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Scherzer. I think that it's it would go Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer for me. But, you know, like, I mean, are they banging on drums to help Justin Verlander? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I have to get that story out. Like, I feel like in two weeks, Joe, if Major League Baseball does some crazy banning of the Astros and reveals all these things that happen that we don't know about, you know, the secret sauce, Joe, with the Houston Astros may not have been secret at all. May have been oh, I don't know. Charlie Morton was pretty good in Tampa without any drum banging or anything else going on. He so. was. He was. He was. You know, I, I, I think they're doing a lot. You know, I, I think with all that stuff, it's all kind of, you know, it's frustrating and stupid and all those things. And yeah, it makes an impact. Yes, but it. I again, got to hit the ball. You got to. You got to execute. And I, as a from a pitching standpoint, I don't know what the what the pitching advantage they could have been doing is. So I mean, I I know Verlander had that bad patch in the middle before he ended up resurrecting everything, and that was due right. to injury too. Maybe I'm too far removed from the Verlander injury and not far removed enough from the Kershaw. But this would have been, if you asked me this four years ago, Kershaw would have been a lock for this. Uh, how about and last now, year? Yeah. I mean, it really, Verlander won another Cy Young. I, so, I think it's got to be Verlander. It probably does. It probably does. Verlander closed it off uh, stronger than Kershaw for sure. And also, if, if if it was a dead tie, I'd give the World, you know, the World Series championship is Verlander. So um, some other players who would be uh, in the top 10, Joe, uh, Joey Votto, um, Adrian Beltre. Uh, as a possibility also am i missing is Beltre hall of famer in your mind yes for sure i believe he is yeah no question Three thousand. I, I agree first that's what i think i mean all those people for you but even before he got that mark before that special magical number i kept looking at him like man adrian Beltre's is a hell of a player who had some you know tough road there in, in seattle for a good chunk of his career and i mean the guy was just a terrific player i mean just and and miguel cabrera i think like him and Pujols kind of fell their their primes fell in the middle uh, of that changeover of the decade. So it's sure. kind of tough to gauge yeah. them. Is Chris sale enter into um, that pitching conversation for you too? Is that another guy or no? Uh, I mean, among the rest, the best of the rest. Yes. But as far as okay. being in the top three, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Just uh, about, I throw that out there. Cause yeah. He had some Altuve, Altuve would be in the conversation. Uh, great player. I, I love Jose Altuve. And and again, if you think that Jose Altuve is a good player because people are banging drums, go back and look at him when he had 400 and double A when he was a kid. I mean, this guy's just been a hit machine his entire career. So I don't want to hear anything about banging drums or banging garbage cans or anything else. The, this guy is an absolute freak. He also plays 81 games on the road last time I checked, and the splits are pretty damn good. Um, who would be your team of the decade in baseball? Do you have one? Is it is it you know, the Giants? I, I thought, yeah, I thought about that. It was the giant, uh, the Giants, because they they won those World Series, but they did nothing the other years. It's the, really every bizarre. other year, you, you know who the team, you know who it should be. Thank Bumgarner, no dominance. It, it should be the Dodgers. I know they never won the World Series, but they had the best record. They, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I saw they missed out on the best record of the decade by two games to the Yankees. 
and they won the division seven times. Like if they would have just won wow. one World Series, they would be the team of the decade. But because they didn't, everyone looks at those other teams. St. Louis won one, Boston won two, Houston, the Cubs. And so the Dodgers get overlooked, but they won seven times out of the 10 years. <laughs> they went to a couple of World amazing. Series, too. But is, they haven't is that won also partially one. an indictment on the on the division. I mean, I know the Giants were good over that time, but Colorado was not really very oh, good. No, Colorado was competitive up until last year. They were Once in a while. It's yeah, a while. Like four of the ten years is not bad. Yeah, I mean, who is the worst team of the decade? That's probably more fun to look back at. Who is the team that was just could not get out of their own way for the entire decade? Because we we did get to a place in baseball where we had a lot of variance in terms of some teams making the playoffs, especially when they added that the wild card scenario. So it's been fun. You've gotten a lot there, but I mean, even the freaking Mets made a World Series run in this decade, which Detroit, is pretty amazing. Detroit got to the World Series this decade, or was it the last decade? It was was it oh um, four? We're going back to not this decade, right? No. Well, they they definitely made it that one. That was definitely yeah. That was back then. Um, God, did they make it? I got to have to go back. I don't and, think I they don't did. Think so. Detroit's been pretty awful. The White Sox have had a bad yeah too. The yeah. White Sox have been a bad team for a long time. Unfortunately, the Marlins have too. The Marlins uh, they, have not. They, were, yeah. they started off okay. The decade the decade the started Mar- off the, okay for them. Yeah, I mean, look as as painful it is to say, I think the Marlins have to be in there too. I mean. They they were not five hundred in any year this decade. I mean that. What are you gonna? I mean that's is is it getting any worse than that? I mean not one year of five hundred. Has it been ten years under five hundred for them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I guess you got to put them right at the top. Of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got to be there. Yeah. Well, because I, I know the Tigers had a year or two where they were. They they definitely had years where they were over five hundred. That's for sure. Yeah. No, the, the Marlins did not. The decade. The Marlins did not. Wow. And as bad as and the, the White Orioles Sox did with Sale too, when Sale was there in the beginning of that decade. As bad too, as the Orioles have been for two years, they were com- they in the beginning of the decade. The Orioles were, you know, competitive. I think they didn't. The Orioles have Sosa at the beginning of the decade and Miguel Tejada. And they were trying there for a couple of years, right? Well, no, they they that was the Buck the the last gasp of Buck Showalter. They even made the playoffs once. I thought. Okay, so definitely, so, so yeah. definitely not yeah. them. Kansas City got to a couple World Series for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, you know Kansas who else City. had a terrible? You know who else had a terrible decade? The Reds. Yeah, they did. Despite Joey Votto being there, but they just couldn't get any pitching. I mean, that was organization. You go back and say who was the best pitcher of the Reds the last ten years, and <laughs> we'd all just answer Luis Castillo probably right now. Did the Pirates make the playoffs years? this decade? Probably not. Right? Sure. Oh yeah. Don't oh, you remember lunch with Clint Hurdle? They lost in the first game every time. They did oh, Johnny okay. Cueto game, and they had like two or three years in a row where they lost in that that wild card game, and it was just crushing. They made the the McCutcheon years, the McCutcheon era uh, with Cervelli and all those guys, where they were they were like right there. And then they just they could not win that wild card game. I know because a buddy of mine, a big pirate fan, he used to go to all those games, and every year he would come like, just miserable after that game. He's like, "Why? Why do we always do this? Why do we leave it to getting to a one game playoff for us every year?" But it's uh, it was a good year for baseball. But it's kind of funny because I think you look back on it and you look and say the Giants are the or the team of the decade because they won. Yet the years in between when they won, they were not always a good baseball team. So yeah, it was a very strange decade for baseball. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think when it's all said and done as bad as it is, I think we've come to the conclusion that the Marlins were the worst team of the decade. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you look beyond that. No five hundreds. Um, they had one that Dodger one is very interesting that you put a great year. Too. And the, and the Marlins, you know, best player passed away. Like, I mean, I right. well, right. Yeah. So yeah, but the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers point you make is very valid, and I guess what is success? Does is can you be successful without winning a championship? Like is the team of the '90s, the Buffalo Bills, with the Atlanta Braves, thirteen in a row. Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta they had one. They did win the one. They did win one. They did win one. The Dodgers. I guess that's won a difference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. All right, so those are our best players and some of the best teams of the decade. And, you know, certainly a lot of this you can find online. People have ranked this, especially MLB.com's done a nice job of going through some of those players as well. Uh, if you want to hit us up here on the show on Twitter, give us your opinions on this. You can go to our Twitter handle at FNTSY Radio, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia 17 When we come back after a quick timeout, what we're going to do is go through the NFL and go through the best players of the decade there. Also, some of the best picks of the decade in the uh, NFL as well, some of the best draft picks, 
And you're listening to Fantasy Sports Today here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. As we mentioned earlier in the show, just a quick programming reminder tomorrow. Joe and I will be off for the uh, first of the year, and then we'll be back on Thursday getting you ready for the uh, the NFL playoffs this weekend, where the uh, lines have shifted around a little bit more than I even thought. So we'll touch on that as well. Uh, some college football as well. My Gators beat Virginia last night, didn't cover, but won that game. And another victory for them, giving them 11 wins on the season. We'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. I'll go ahead. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's our final segment of 2019. We thought we would take a look at the best players and best teams in the decade in both fantasy and reality in the NFL, and certainly in college football, it's really easy, Joe. It's Nick Saban in Alabama, right? But in the NFL, you would think that you could deviate from that, but uh, no, it would be the New England Patriots, it would be Bill Belichick, it would be Tom Brady. Um, there's no doubt that they have dominated uh, both against the spread and straight up. They've been fantastic, and people joke around, going, no one wants to go against Belichick, no one wants to go against Brady. And it's kind of something that as the decade ends, there is at least the thought process that maybe this is the end of the run for the New England Patriots, and certainly with them playing this weekend, a wildcard uh, weekend is, is new. I'm not willing to go that far. Um, you know, I think that they probably have another run in them, but for whatever reason, it does look like this is the most vulnerable they've been in a long time. Yeah, it's definitely the most vulnerable, and I think it's because they really didn't address the offensive needs. They went in there losing Rob Gronkowski, and I don't think they quite calculated how much that was going to affect them in the red zone. And even though they've had some moments this season where they've moved the football their conversion rate's terrible. They are the lowest team in the NFL in passes to the tight end. They did not fill that hole. They did not fill that hole for the red zone. And Rob Gronkowski meant a lot for this team. It also allowed them to do a lot of other things because he was such a matchup nightmare. Even when he wasn't 100% healthy, that you had to account for him on the field. And they did a bad job of doing that. But I, it, I'm still hard-pressed not to look back at this decade and say that the Patriots are clearly the team of the decade. Uh, and Tom Brady's probably the player of the decade. Three Super Bowl championships, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs, nine Pro Bowls, uh, Offensive Player of the Year in 2010, NFL Passing Leader in 2017, and two passing touchdown leaders. I mean, Brees had a great year, a uh, great decade, don't get me wrong. But I think even with Peyton Manning in there too, it's hard not to say Tom Brady because he's been out there consistently doing this and three Super Bowls means something. I'm sorry, it just does. And uh, in the age of the salary cap, the way the Patriots have been able to get out from under players before they hit their expiration date has been part of the reason they've stayed ahead of everybody. And a lot of organizations aren't willing to do that. They want to pay guys for what they did rather than what they can do. It's not always the popular choice, but it's always been the right choice in New England. Is there a is there another contender for you in terms of the team of the decade for for football? No, <laughs> it's it. Right. I mean, that's it. I, I think we can all sit back and look at it. I mean, Seattle's had a good run yeah they've been good teams the Ravens have been good almost every year the Steelers have been good almost every year um you know uh, the Saints have been good almost every year with Drew Brees yeah I mean there's been good teams but there haven't been you know dominant teams like this the Patriots have been in like every year one year it's the Falcons one year it's the Seahawks and what's the one constant it's been New England every year who would you say the running back of the decade was of the 2010s? Is it Marshawn Lynch? Is it uh, is it Frank Gore, who just always shows up and plays? <laughs> you know, it's I wonder. Is, There's is almost it the not. There's almost Gore? not a running back of the decade because. Well, I guess Adrian no, Peterson. No one I lasts we, longest. Yeah. Well, yeah, four time Pro Bowl, right. you know, NFL MVP uh, in 2012. You know, he's the last guy to win MVP that wasn't a quarterback. So I guess it's Adrian Peterson, then Tom Brady and then wide receiver. I guess you've got the. You got the Julios, you got the Antonio Browns, you've got uh, Megatron, Larry Fitzgerald. Would we say Larry Fitzgerald is the wide receiver of the decade? That sounds right. Yeah, that's certainly right. the most liked one. <laughs> yeah, his last couple of years have not been stud years, but 
he was in fantasy a second round pick for about seven years, man. So would you say him or Calvin Johnson was the better wide receiver of the decade? Because I think those are the two at the top of the list for the decade. I'll say Larry Fitzgerald was. Yeah. Yeah. And then a tight end. I assume we'd all go Gronk, right? I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, lo- a lot of disappointment, I would say, with Gronk as opposed to being happy, though. Like a lot of Gronk is one of those guys in fantasy that it's hard to draft after you've drafted him the year before because he's let you down at some point. He's not playing like you had to have a backup with him. He missed a lot of games, man. I mean, he came through in the yeah. big spots in the playoffs. And but yeah, during the regular season, he was missing four or five games almost every year. So who would be your defensive player of the decade? You got Aaron Donald. You got J.J. Watt who's had injury issues. You've got Luke Keekley, uh, Khalil Mack, Paul Amalu at the, towards the end of his career, Von Miller, certainly a lot of guys to choose from. Uh, I, I feel like Aaron Donald probably sounds, that sounds like the, I agree. I would right. think it's Donald. If Watt had stayed healthier, I would have said Watt. Watt is probably second and then Keekley third, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think you're right there. Those are, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. But, you know, I think when you think of this decade in defense, it's hard not to think Aaron Donald. We see like three guys <laughs> when you got three guys, you got triple teams on Aaron Donald. I think that says everything you need to know about that guy. Yeah. How about the uh, best uh, draft picks of the decade? Oh, well, I mean, I guess that's interesting. How, do Would you value this based on where you drafted a guy versus just the fact that you got the right guy? Like what's more important? The fact that you got a steal like Michael Thomas in the second round. Is that the draft pick of the decade or is the draft pick of the decade when you take somebody you know, one or two overall and you get exactly guess, what you think. I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder, really. When you think about it, like um, it's a shame what happened to Andrew Luck, but Andrew Luck was like <laughs> Andrew Luck created the whole idea of tanking and it worked. I mean, unfortunately, right. because of injuries and retirement, it, you know, the end result wasn't there, but it it was absolutely it, it will put it this way, I think. And again, this is nothing against Burrow. And I know that I have said here on the show that I think Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is better. And I think that Trevor Lawrence will be a, a better quarterback in the NFL. But Joe Burrow is going to make it worth it for the Bengals, I think. He'll be a good quarterback in the NFL. I don't, I don't know that he'll be one of the best. I'm not sure that I can say that because I don't know. And we've seen this play out before, and it doesn't always work out. In fact, I think over the last 10 years of the top three quarterbacks taken in every draft, at least one has not worked out. So there's a yeah. chance Burrow's a bust. We don't know. But I think that it will make it worth it for Cincinnati losing all of those games to get him. And I think that whoever goes into next year it will be painfully obvious who wants to try and get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I got got a candidate for you uh, for best draft pick of the decade. How about Russell Wilson? Yeah, that's a great one. He's taking what the third round, I think, right? Yeah. I remember when Russell, what's interesting was that I remember Russell Wilson's career at NC state. And then I remember, I don't know where I was. It's like one of those moments that I remember. Then I remember hearing that he somehow got qualification to play for another season. And I, I remember at the time thinking, how is that possible? I saw him play three years at NC State. And then, in because you don't see this, Joe, in college football. You see players go from one school to another. But in general, it's like a downgrade. Like a, a quarterback goes from Alabama, they realize they're not going to be able to play. So they go to a smaller school like Louisiana Tech or Western Kentucky or something like that. That happens a lot. But like this was like a jump up going from NC State to Wisconsin. And then he ended up winning the Rose Bowl. <laughs> like, like, I mean, it was just something that that you'll ever see happen in college. And so he was very unique in that sense. And I think that that kind of started because he was nowhere on the radar as far as being in the NFL when he was in NC State. But that kind of uh, put him into the conversation to even be drafted. And as we know, he wasn't Seattle's first choice going into that season. No, and, and I think when you look back and you say, okay, franchise quarterbacks, he's, you know, you look back on this decade, guy's been to a couple of Super Bowls. The guy's been a perennial, uh, basically since he got here uh, into the league, he's been a playoff quarterback and he's still there. Andrew Luck is not. They all came in the same year. That's true. So when you look back on it, you're going to definitely say Russell Wilson had a better career than Andrew Luck. I think we can already say that. No and, doubt. And, no, no question. Yeah. So, so when you look at the value of a pick in, the, in a league that's so quarterback driven, I think people will look back. Maybe who knows? We'll look back and we'll say maybe it was Lamar Jackson slipping to where he slipped to. But again, this is one year. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves yet. But I think if you look at the body of work of Russell Wilson, you could look back and say franchise quarterbacks are what win in the NFL. The Seahawks got one. And I don't Mm -hmm. think Russell Wilson was the kind of guy that made players better around. It's kind of like the Brady career. When you think about it, he fell into a spot with a great defense, made big plays, made things happen, and they won. And then the second part of his career, they won because of him and he made the players around him better. Whereas in the beginning, it was not the case. Um, even Roethlisberger, you can make that, you know, that argument for when he first came in the league, he's the game manager kind of guy. Look, kid, don't make mistakes. 
let's let the defense win this championship. And they did. And same thing with Seattle. And then you get the Roethlisberger having all these, you know, big statistical seasons and then getting back uh, to the Super Bowl against Arizona and the Cardinals and having that big time Ben Roethlisberger game there and against Green Bay too. So the evolution of those quarterbacks from early in their year having success early on, but not because of them, but getting a taste of it and understanding it. And then being the kind of quarterbacks that make everybody around you better. I think that's that's kind of the story of Wilson, Brady and, and Roethlisberger, too. Yeah. And and it would be kind of sad to see, especially with Brady and Rivers and maybe even Aaron Rodgers, like some of these guys, we know that they've played their best football, but the one thing that I could say in the decade that was the most disappointing as far as football goes now, look, that Adrian Peterson story was just horrible. Um, you know, like with, when he was suspended for a year, but as far as the on the field thing, when, uh, you know, wa- I remember watching Joe uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Dan Marino's final year in the NFL. And I mm-hmm. always said to myself, man, I hope I don't have to see another great quarterback kind of end like that. And it was Peyton Manning, man. Like he really yeah. ended so poorly. Um, a lot of people won't remember that, and I don't think a lot of people talk about Dan Marino's final year either, but that was a part of this decade that I do remember thinking to myself, my gosh, like Peyton Manning could have won out, um, and and he chose to come back. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that final year that he played, they won the Super Bowl, right? Isn't that, isn't that, that last yeah. year? That he, we had he, that they, managed, year? they managed through it. That's when they beat the 15-1 Carolina Panthers. And that was stunning because the Panthers were just dominating. And then Peyton. And now you wonder, Joe, why Philip Rivers wants to keep playing. They're all chasing it. You know, it's like, look at Rivers has to be thinking in the back of his mind. Well, look, Peyton Manning threw 18 touchdowns, 25 picks. But yet Von Miller and that defense carried them all the way to the Super Bowl. They beat New England in the AFC championship, right? Yeah. And and I think a lot of the the slack the Patriots are getting right now, it's 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 going on to Brady. And I don't know if that's 100 percent fair because they just did not account for missing Rob Gronkowski on that field, 100% or not, healthy or not, doesn't matter. The What he brought to that team in terms of intensity, what he brought to that team in terms of fun, what he brought to them in terms of red zone target, even you had to double up Gronkowski, you had to figure out, it opened up the field for a lot of stuff. They did a very bad job on the personnel side, they paid for it all year, Tom Brady said it in training camp, we have a lot of work to do on offense, and that's why they went after Antonio Brown. I'm sure Tom Brady was the very front of that, that Antonio Brown signing, and it did not go well, or that trade. It did not go well, unfortunately. That there you go. It is what it is, and and uh, you know they've been searching ever since. They won on defense, but there's only so much you can do. You got to score, and I don't think they're going to make that same mistake next year. So I don't think Brady's done. I don't think the Pats are done, but I think you're going to see a very aggressive offseason from the Patriots, and they're going to bring in some real proven talent. They're not just going to rely on the draft anymore because they know the window is closing, and and it had to close eventually. All right. So as we close out uh, this show here, uh, anything. For 2020, Joe, that we should be looking forward to here um, coming up. I know that we well, got the I'll Super tell you Bowl what, coming. There's, there's a couple things. First, on the baseball front in 2020, touched on it earlier in the show when we were talking about Acuna in hour one, is baseball is an embarrassment of young riches right now. They have young, exciting, fun players. They have players who are sons of major leaguers that we grew up with, which makes us old. But at the same time, it's kind of fun and exciting. And I, I want everybody I want Major League Baseball and everybody at the top there to realize what they've got and try not to screw this up because the way you market the game, the way you let these guys show their personality, let's let's shed the shackles of all that unwritten rules nonsense and let's get over ourselves here because sports is entertainment. That's what it is at the end of the day. And if these guys are entertaining and it's a new different way, then you know what? Damn it. Let them entertain. Let them have fun. Let them flip the bat. Let them do dances in the dugout. And if a pitcher doesn't like it, you know what? Strike him out. Get an out. Don't give up a home run. How about that? And in the NFL, I told you, it's, it's, the, it's the new look, big time offenses with these young athletic quarterbacks. And NFL is so healthy right now. How about you? Anything for 2020 outlook for some of the big sports that you've got your eye on? Are we going to get another playoff round for the college football playoffs, you think, by the time the decade's over? No, I, I think that that stays the same. Uh, I think that there's just basically no stopping college or pro football. I don't think that we'll see anything like that. The only thing that could happen would be uh, a labor disagreement, which I think that we'll have again in sports, unfortunately, in the next decade, whether it's baseball or football or basketball. I think that we're due for that just because sports is the ultimate form of entertainment. And now that you can get it on your phone or your tablet, uh, these guys are going to want more money. And I think the biggest boom in the next decade is going to be sports wagering. That's that's going to be the next big thing. I think in the 50 states, in the next decade, you're probably going to have 45 states that have gambling legal. I think in the next two years, you'll have 25 states where gambling is legal. 
And that's a huge game changer, not just for the world, but for us and for content and sports grid and everybody else. All right, that'll do it. Uh, let's take a quick time out here on the show. When we come back next, it's time for the two minute drill as we end 2019. We got Dr. Roto and full time fantasy coming up next with the latest around the NFL, the coaching changes. There's some news in Dallas, some news in Jacksonville. And Dr. Roto has all of that for you. That's coming up in less than two minutes from now. But first, let's take a quick time out. And then the two-minute drill ends the show. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Time to end 2019. We got no show tomorrow, folks, so make sure you tune back in Thursday for Joe and I. We end the show with the two-minute warning. Joe? The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? In the words of one of the great holiday films of all time, It's a Wonderful Life, no man is a failure who has friends. And I want to thank everybody here at the network because, you know, as much as we all work hard on our own individually, we get pulled up from our friends. We get opportunities from our friends. And I want to thank Craig Mish for this opportunity to be here with him talking football uh, these last couple of months has been great fun and talking baseball as well. And I want to remind everybody out there that we're your friends for fantasy sports in 2020 as well. We're going to be here to help you out through all of your baseball, your football leagues and all your wagering, everything in between, because you can't do it alone. You don't need to do it alone. We all get by at the end of the day with a little help from our friends. Very well said, Joe. It's been awesome working with you. Looking forward to doing it again in 2020 for sure. Also, thanks to David Katz, Lou Mayone, uh, Mike Cardano, Greg Sussman, uh, Sean Guastamacchia, Chris Bavona, everybody who puts this show together. Uh, really appreciate it. We're looking forward to doing it again with you in 2020. That'll do it for 2019. That'll do it for Fantasy Sports Today here on this Tuesday. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy and Dr. Roto is next. Have a great new year. We'll talk to you Thursday. See ya. See ya.